You'll say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Let's pray together. Lord, we gather together this morning in the name of joy, but we are not um, indifferent or callous to the reality that uh, we also come this morning bearing many burdens, some more than others, but in every unique way, Lord, um, our joy is tainted by the struggles of this world, by the burdens, by our own sin, our own shame. And so, yes, Lord, we we long for joy, um, but we need you to give us your joy. And so I pray that that would happen. I pray that you would fill us with the sense of gospel joy that cannot be shaken. Lord, help me to proclaim the good news of great joy to all the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning is much more about hearing the word sung than preached, but... Um, Every time we gather together in worship, it is appropriate the word is preached. And so, a brief homily here um, along the lines of our series that we are in through the uh, traditional themes of Advent, um, hope, love, joy, peace. Today, we pick up the theme of joy. Uh, Now, last week we talked about hope, if you remember, and we considered the question of whether hope is even a good thing. When it comes to joy... I think we know it's a good thing, but I wonder if we think it's a crucial thing. For example, do we need to be happy as much as we need to be loved? Because my suspicion is that we view joy as somewhat of a luxury to have rather than an indispensability of the soul. It's like dessert. We like it. It's great when a meal ends in dessert. But joy is not the meal itself. But did you know the Bible disagrees with that? Joy is not secondary. It is not a secondary need of the human heart. It is central to our very being. You were created in the depths of your very design by God to be happy. In fact, joy is so important that Jesus came into this world to restore to the world its joy. Now, we may fail to recognize this, but I can tell you who knows it, at least instinctively, every parent. I like to do an exercise on uh, Christmas with my kids every year where I challenge them to name uh, what they got for uh, Christmas the previous year. Many times they can't even remember. And if they do remember, with very few exceptions, what they uh, realize is that what they were so excited about Christmas morning a year ago is now either broken or perhaps gathering dust somewhere in the house. And the point, of course, I'm making is that it's a, it's a discipleship moment that 
um, that our stuff can't satisfy, a good lesson on idolatry and so forth. And now that I'm saying out loud, it sounds a little bit like the Grinch, but um, <laughs> it's a good, good teaching moment. Anyway, last year, um, last year, one of my sons, after kind of going through that whole routine with him, unwittingly turned the table back on me. He said, well, wait a minute, Dad. I said, yeah. He said, then why do you keep buying us all this stuff? (laughs) Good question. Joke's on us parents, right? We spend all this money. We go to all this work. The most extreme measures for them to experience the Christmas magic, knowing full well how fleeting it is. Why? The answer, of course, is we can't help ourselves. It's worth it. It's worth it to see their wide-eyed jubilee faces and shouts of joy on Christmas morning. We parents know how important love is to our children But we also instinctively know just as well how central is their joy. And what I'm trying to say is that that instinct is not wrong. It certainly can become wrong when it, you know, it becomes our obsession and leads to spoiling our children and all that. But fundamentally, the desire to see our children happy is from God and is as significant and important as other attributes that we are trying to cultivate in our children. Biblically speaking, joy is prioritized and emphasized on the same level of all these other Advent themes of hope and love and peace. And we see this in the passage that I just read. It's not necessarily a common one for Advent. You may have never heard it uh, read at an Advent. But I love it. Because it speaks of the advent of God's salvation, the coming of that day, that day of Christmas, with the language of joy. Again, let's briefly look at it together. In verses 1 through 3, we're going to see the foundation of joy. And then in verses 4 through 6, we will see the completion of joy. Let's start with the foundation, where joy comes from. Let me read again, 1 through 3. And I want you to listen for what the prophet sees as the true foundation of true joy. You will say in that day, that day is spoken of um, often by the prophets, that's the day of Advent, the day of the coming of the Lord. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to the Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation." So what is, the, what is the foundation of biblical joy? God's salvation. That though he should be angry with me, his anger is turned away. That though we should be afraid of him, he has become our comfort and we shall not be afraid. That though he should be this holy judge of condemnation, it says he has become our song of salvation. And then that amazing verse 3, which is why I chose it. I love the way this is worded. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. The salvation of God is an infinite well from which we draw ultimate joy. The point is that the foundation of our truest joy is found in the salvation of God. 
It's not to say that there are not other things that bring us joy. It's just to say that those things were never intended to be our ultimate joy. And if we make them our ultimate joy, they will all fail us. True joy, according to the prophet, is found in God via his salvation. This is not unlike other things that we know are found in God alone. For example, this life certainly has tastes of love. But these are all signposts pointing to the greater love for which you were ultimately made. The foundation of ultimate love is God. And here, Isaiah is saying that the foundation of ultimate joy is God and God alone. And the prophet's promise is that God will do it. Like a parent going to whatever lengths it takes to see his child happy, our heavenly father will do whatever it takes to make us happy in himself. And oh, how much it would take. Again, notice those first few words. You will say on that day. That's the day the prophets are always speaking about, the coming day. And this is what we celebrate in the season of Advent and Christmas, that that day has come. And in Luke 2, that day, the the famous heavenly announcement of that day that we heard Will read of Christ's birth, what is the language employed? Angels said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news, that's the gospel, I bring you the gospel of great joy that will be for all the people. Now, his birth is great joy for the world. It is great joy for you and for me, but it is great sorrow for him. He is described in the scriptures not with language of joy, but as a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. Jesus laid down eternal triune happiness to bear the destiny of sorrow that we deserve. On the last night before his crucifixion, he admitted, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. And rightfully so. Because the cross that he would soon experience was in fact the greatest moment of misery, sadness, and grief the world would ever know. And yet, he does it willingly. Why? To make you happy. To make available to you this eternal well of salvation from which you can draw eternal joy. What is the essence of the Christmas gospel? Jesus came to be miserable so that you may be happy. But there is more. Isaiah's prophecy includes something else that is so crucial to joy but is often neglected. Look at verses 4 through 6 as we see the completion of joy. Again, he returns to that day. So in that day, you're going to get to drink from the, with joy from the wells of salvation. And then he says this, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Did you see the shift in his emphasis? It moves from us enjoying the salvation of God to sharing the salvation of God, to make known his deeds among the people. Let this 
be known in all the earth. Now that's not Isaiah moving on from the theme of joy. That is Isaiah completing the theme of joy. Because the expression of joy that is ours in God, the making known his salvation in all the earth is the completion of enjoyment. This connection is so important. And the reason why so many of us are not finding joy in the God of our salvation. The pattern in scripture is that joy is complete, not merely when it is individually enjoyed, but when the enjoyment overflows in expression to others. This is the pattern we see in John 7 and Jesus' famous words, where he uses the same language here from the prophet. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Let him drink from the wells of my salvation. If anyone is thirsty, if anyone is longing, if anyone is unhappy, if anyone is unsatisfied, come to me and drink. But then he adds this interesting tidbit. He he says to those who drink of Jesus, out of them will come streams of living water. So the pattern is that we drink of joyful living water and then out of us, that joyful water flows to others. In other words, joy in Jesus is not complete when we experience joy in Jesus. But rather, when that enjoyment overflows to others that they too might experience the joy. C.S. Lewis famously said it like this. We delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. This is what he's saying. The reason why you like to talk about the things that you enjoy is not merely because you're just expressing something, but because in talking about it, you are completing the enjoyment. He is saying that praising what you enjoy is not just a form of expression. It is an actual step, a crucial step in the process of the enjoyment. Testifying of your joy is not the afterthought of joy. It actually completes the enjoyment. So the next time you experience something amazing, amazing vacation, kids, your presence on Christmas morning, I got a challenge for you. Try to hold it in. Don't tell anyone you will find it impossible, probably. But if you pull it off, you will find that it ruins the joy. Because enjoyment is not complete until it's expressed, which is why Isaiah 12 says it is not just enough to enjoy God's salvation. It must be made known among all the earth. So the application is not just to enjoy the good news of Advent, but to spread the joy. And I'm telling you, it actually works. And if you're a Christian, you've probably experienced this before. There's something peculiar about sharing the gospel of Jesus with others. Regardless of their response, you come away more joyful in what you shared. They may accept it. They may reject it. They may thank you. They may mock you. No matter, what you will discover is a newfound delight in what you just shared. It is almost as if the expression of the Christian faith through mercy, through charity, through evangelism, and all these other expressions of the Christian faith, it is almost as if they always benefit us as much, if not more, than the ones we're sharing with. 
And the reason that is is because that's the way joy is designed. And the opposite is true. Bottled up joy in the Lord will wither and die. Do you want to be a miserable Christian? Do you want to lose your joy in the Lord? Do you want to become dry and bitter in your walk with Jesus? Then never share it with others. A Christianity that involves Sunday worship, daily devotions, perhaps a weekly Bible study, but never overflows into application is not a happy Christianity. It actually becomes a very dry and miserable Christianity. Why? Because you have cut off the crucial step of expressing the joy that we discover in these things like Bible studies and worship. A silent and inactive Christianity is a joyless Christianity. So here's the question for us this Advent season. Do you want to be happy? Please understand that is not a secondary question in life. That is not the icing on top of the Christian faith. That is central. That question is central to your very being. Do you want to be happy? And in fact, that question has already been answered by your creator. Yes, you want to be happy. In fact, you need to be happy. And yes, of course, I say to those of you that if you are living your life trying to find happiness in anything other than Jesus then you will discover a time and time again, just like we discover as children and Christmas, and we get these toys and we're so happy, and then the next year we can't even remember them or they're broken and boring. That pattern will just keep on going all the way through retirement. If you are trying to find happiness in anything other than Jesus, then you will discover how fleetingly happy those things make you. So yes, I say turn from idolatry that can never satisfy and find your satisfaction in him. With joy, drink from the well of his salvation. But on the same level of importance to those of you who claim that Jesus is your ultimate joy, the same level of importance than complete your joy by sharing Jesus with the world. This Advent season, let us rejoice in the news that Jesus came into the world to make us happy and let us go tell it on the mountains. Let us share the news that Jesus came into the world to make the world happy. After all, we do not sing joy to me. We sing joy to the world. Let me pray. Thank you that you came to make us happy. Fill us now with your joy. Use this sacrament to do just that. Thank you that you endured our misery, that we might find your everlasting happiness. We celebrate it. We fill ourselves with your joy. And for those who have not found that joy in Jesus, I pray this Advent, this Christmas, would be that day. They would with joy draw from the wells of salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.